Good morning. It is a joy and a blessing to be here. If you want to get your Bibles out and open to the book of Proverbs, if they aren't already open there, uh, any wisdom uh, or value in the things we're going to discuss today aren't going to come uh, from my my mind or mouth, uh, but from the mouth of Almighty God, His mind revealed to us in the Scriptures. We're going to discuss today what God's Word has to say uh, about our words Uh, We started looking at, uh, last week, 10 rules for communication, uh, specifically from the book of Proverbs. Uh, Communication is extremely important to the health and well-being of this congregation, this this spiritual family, um, because Carl and I, uh, you know, the people that stand up here aren't the only ones that need to work on being better communicators. Uh, In fact... Uh, the communication that comes from this pul- pulpit is a small fraction of the amount of communication that takes place uh, among these people um, and from, from us out into the world from day to day. Uh, and so communication is the foundation of relationships. It's the foundation of any edification, uh, certainly any evangelism that, that we seek to accomplish. And so it's something that we all need to focus on, something that we all need to grow in, uh, and certainly that we need to be directed by the Lord in. Last time we looked at five principles, uh, really to a large extent, leading up to opening our mouths. Uh, The first principle that we saw, first rule of communication is that we need to communicate. Um, Proverbs 18 and verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Communication is not easy. It's often hard, but it is vitally important, uh, especially when there is disagreement or conflict, especially when it's hard. Uh, And death and life are in the power of the tongue. It can do much damage, but it can also do much good. And if we're going to accomplish the good that God wants us to, then we need to love it. We need to invest uh, energy uh, and time an effort in making sure that our communication is what God intends for it to be. We saw that we need to listen first. Uh, the most foundational aspect of being a good communicator is not what's coming out of our mouths. Uh, it's what's happening first with our ears. Proverbs 18 and verse 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Good communication starts with our ears, not with our mouth. We talked about welcoming correction, a principle that's find, found all throughout the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 12 and verse 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. The, the hardest things to listen to, uh, the most uncomfortable things to listen to, are often the most important things to listen to. Um, we need to take to heart others' correction not being reluctant or pushing back against it, but being thankful and eager to welcome uh, those who who have the the courage and the love to talk to us about things that we need to work on and change. We talked about taking time to think. Proverbs 15 and verse 28 says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Do we ponder or do we pour forth? Um, We need to take time to let our emotions subside, to speak from wisdom and love and not just from the impulse of the moment. And the last thing we looked at last time was we need to know when to be quiet. 
Proverbs 29 and verse 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Um, wisdom in communication, uh, communication that glorifies God is not venting, is not speaking, uh, where the primary impetus is my emotions and my feelings and what's going to make me feel good to say. Um, when we speak, we need to speak to the right person in the right way at the right time. Um, and when that's not the case, we're best saying nothing at all. So we've looked at five out of the 10 principles that we're going to look at, uh, and we're almost ready to open our mouths. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of what God's word tells us is really leading up to what we say. Um, but as we get ready to open our mouths, what, what do we say? How, how do we speak? Uh, especially when situations are tense with emotion, when we've offended our brother and they're upset, uh, when there's been some type of misunderstanding, when there's some difficult decision that needs to be uh, discussed and made, when we need to approach someone uh, about some sin in their lives, uh, or when we're talking with somebody about the condition of their souls, what does God's word have to tell us to direct what actually comes out of our mouths. Well, let's look at one more principle before we actually open our mouths, uh, a vitally important, one of the most important principles, and that is pray for wisdom. More important than taking time to think about what we're going to say, to ponder what we're going to say, is taking time to pray about what we're going to say. Um, we don't simply need to be thinking about what it is that we want to say, and what it is that we want to express and how can we best do that, we need to really be seeking the Lord's wisdom in that. Um, it's not that we need more human wisdom. We need God's wisdom to guide our mouth. Proverbs 16 and verse 1. Proverbs 16 and verse 1 says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. It's good that we take time to plan that we take time to, to, to reason and think things through, that we take time to ponder about what it is that we're going to say. But at the end of the day, an effective answer is only going to come with God's help and with God's blessing. Um, there's a few comments by commentators about this passage, Proverbs 16, verse 1. A man named Stevenson says, Man may reflect upon an issue, considering and discarding options, when ultimately he has thought it through and given his decision, his ability to express his thoughts is a gift from God. Uh, a commentator named Kitchen says, While man may plan what he thinks is best, only God, who knows all, can put the perfect effective answer in man's mouth. Plan, think, reason it through, but do so in complete dependence upon the Lord. And so prayer is really one of the most foundational ways that we express our dependence upon the Lord. Um, as we get ready to, to open our mouths, we need God's guidance. We need God's blessing in that. We, we need him to help us express that the, the, the right way um, and in a way that, that uh, others will, will hear it um, and be positively impacted by it. Uh, prayer is an outward expression of that complete dependence that we need on God's guidance and blessing. We need him at work in our tongues. Uh, the answer that we give ultimately doesn't belong to us. We recognize it belongs to him. I think it's interesting. The epistle of James is certainly one of the epistles that talks the most about our tongue. 
about our communication. You think about James chapter 3, talks a lot about the, the dangers and the power of the tongue. It talks earlier in the book about bridling our tongue. But you know what other topic the book of James talks about very extensively? Prayer. I think it's interesting that those two things uh, are featured very strongly in the same book. Our speech and our prayer uh, need to go together. Uh, James 1 and verse 5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. If we genuinely pray for God to give us wisdom and guide our mouths in a difficult situation, we can be sure that he will answer that prayer. He wants to answer that prayer. He wants to give liberally and without reproach. He wants to guide us in his wisdom. Uh, And that doesn't free us from responsibility. This isn't the picture that God just kind of takes over uh, and now we're kind of a puppet in his hand saying whatever uh, he, he, he puts within our mouth. Um, we, we need, as we already saw, to, to be pondering, to be seeking out the right words to say. But at the end of the day, we need his help in that. We, James talks about bridling the tongue. Really, we, we need to, as we seek God's wisdom, as we seek God's help and guidance in that, take the bridle of our tongue and hand it into his hands. He's the one who needs to be directing that, directing our every word. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11 1 Peter 4 and verse 11 says, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. When we speak, it ultimately needs to be God's utterances, God's words speaking through us. And I think many times we look at 1 Peter 4 and verse 11 uh, and make application to our doctrine, the things that we teach. And I think that that's a correct application there, that everything that we teach Uh, is ultimately not coming from our minds, not coming from our ideas. It's coming from the Lord, from his word. But I think the application of that passage is much broader than just the communication that comes from this pulpit. Everything that we say um, on a broader level uh, in our everyday interactions needs to reflect the thoughts of God. The character and attitude of God, the wisdom and direction of God. Every time we open our mouths... Not just in the context of teaching and preaching. We need to be seeking to say those things that God himself would say in that situation. If we're filling ourselves with his spirit, bearing the fruit of his spirit, uh, if we're filling ourselves with his wisdom, then when we speak, it needs to be God's words, God's thoughts being reflected um, through uh, what comes out of our mouths. You know, for, for most of us, Praying before we eat is a very regular custom for us, and rightly so, that we thank God for our food. I want to encourage you to make praying before you speak as customary as praying before you eat. Because praying before you put something into your mouth, (laughs) um, you know, maybe it's a lot more important that we pray before something comes out of our mouth. Um... That's how much we need to be seeking, how consistently we need to be seeking God's wisdom in this. If, if our communication is going to be bring glory to God, going to accomplish his purposes, going to be cultivating the kind of relationships that he desires, we need his help in that. And we need to be actively seeking his help, recognizing our dependence upon him in that. But now we're ready to open our mouths. 
what should come out? What principles does God give us about what we actually speak? I, I want to start with the New Testament on this principle, speaking with grace. Uh, look in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4 and verse 6. We're going to come back to Proverbs and we're going to see quite a few passages that, that reflect this idea. But I'm going to start in Colossians 4 and verse 6. Here Paul writes, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. What always needs to characterize our speech? It says grace, as if seasoned with with salt. What does it mean to speak with grace? When you think of the word grace, what, what do you think of? Uh, I think many times we, we might define grace as unmerited or unearned favor, an undeserved gift. Uh, we think of that in the context of, of the grace that God has shown to us on so many levels. Um, how is it that, that unearned favor, an undeserved gift, should, should show itself in the way that we speak? Uh, I think in my speech, this means that I'm not simply speaking the words that I feel like saying. Um, I'm not simply speaking the words that I think others deserve to hear. I'm speaking what they need to hear, what would most greatly benefit them, right? You think about the idea of giving a gift, an undeserved gift. H- how, do you, how do you go about selecting a gift? Uh, husbands, if you're going to get a, a gift for your wife, how, how would you do that? Um, you know, would you go over here to, to Lowe's or Home Depot and, and pick out that tool set that you've been wanting all year and say, oh, she's going to love this? Well, of course not. That's about you, right? It's not about her. Um, are, are you going to go over to Walmart and just kind of grab the first thing that you see on, on a shelf uh, and say, well, she'll probably like this? Well, no, the way you give a good gift, uh, perhaps we can think of two primary principles here. Primarily, you're thinking about them, not yourself, right? You're thinking about what's gonna, what, what are they going to appreciate, what's going to do the most good for them, not for me. And you're taking some time and effort to, to pick out something that is best going to accomplish that purpose. So when you think about the idea of giving an, maybe an undeserved gift, uh, when we think about this idea of grace... Think about it as picking out a gift. Our words need to be thoughtfully chosen gifts that others would be best benefited by, that others would most appreciate, that would hold the most meaning and value to them. And that that may be different for different people, right? We we need to to really invest some time in thinking about what's, what's genuinely going to help this person most. And Paul says that needs to characterize all of our speech. Let your speech always be with grace. That means we need to do a whole lot of thinking about what it is that's going to do the most good for those around us before we open our mouths. And that needs to direct the things that we say. Are our, thought, are our words well thought out gifts to those who hear us? Look, look at this principle in the book of Proverbs. Notice how Proverbs talks about the words of the wise and the righteous. I'm, I'm going to read a bunch of passages here sequentially, but I, I want you to tune in your mind to, to what pictures are used to describe the words of the righteous and the wise. Proverbs 10 and verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the, mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 10 and verse 21. The lips of the righteous feed many, 
but fools die for lack of sense. Proverbs 12 and verse 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15 and verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 16, 23 and 24, the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Do you, do you see all the different pictures that Proverbs used to describe the, the, the words of the wise, the words of the righteous? Describes it as a fountain of life, a tree of life. You know, the, the tongue has the power of life and death. Are we using it to bring life? Are we using it for the eternal benefit of those around us? Do my words bring sweetness to the soul and healing to the body? Or are they like those swift thor- sword thrusts that do violence, uh, that tear down, that wound and discourage others? Do my words nourish others? The the words uh, of the righteous feed many, we were told in Proverbs 10.21. Do my words nourish? Are they like honeycomb to the taste of others? Or might they be bitter and unappetizing to those around us? We we need to give some thought and prayer into making sure that, that our words are described, could be described in that way. A fountain of life, a tree of life, honeycomb, feeding others around us, bringing healing. Yet many times when we speak out of what makes me feel better, what what I want to say, what I feel like they deserve to hear, that's going to do a lot more damage, a lot more healing, cause broken relationships. Often the problem is that we're not actively asking these kind of questions about our words. We're not actively thinking about whether or not our words are going to accomplish that. Um, We speak based on the way that we feel and what's going on in our minds and our lives rather than thinking about what's genuinely going to benefit those around us. And so we need to speak with grace, always speak with grace. But on the other side of that, closely related to that, we need to always speak truth. Um, David referenced John 1 and verse 14 earlier in our service. Uh, John 1 and verse 14, talking about Jesus as the word, God's communication to mankind, says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, as the word, as God's communication to mankind, manifests God's glory to us through both grace and truth. And if we want to walk in his footsteps, we need both grace and truth as well. Our words need to be filled with grace and filled with truth. Um, You know, sometimes the temptation is to focus on one or the other. Sometimes the temptation may be to, to speak solely with grace, but not directed by truth. That, that we're really beginning to speak what will make others feel good or maybe make them like us 
more, get, get a more favorable response from people around us. And, and that's really primarily what we're thinking about when we're thinking about speaking with grace. It's not necessarily what's truly going to benefit them the most in the long run, but what's, what's going to give the, a favorable response. Um, and so rather than genuinely saying what's going to help them grow and be who God wants them to be, um, we fail to speak with truth. Instead of seasoning our speech with grace, uh, we, we may give somebody a, a plate of seasoning without any substance, right? Um, now, granted, uh, there, there may be the opposite problem as well. Maybe we're giving them, uh, you know, pr- precisely what they need to hear, but, but not with the grace that it needs to be expressed. Uh, and so we need both. But I, I, I want to focus for a moment specifically about speaking with truth. Proverb emphasizes the importance of truth time and time again. Uh, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. We have a, a list here. Uh, it says in verse 16, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. This is a common poetic feature, six, yay, seven. Um, but, but I want you to notice the seven things that are listed. Um, I, I'm going to read them real quick, and I, I want you to see if you notice something repeated. Okay? So, verse 17 of Proverbs 6, Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breeds out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Do you notice something repeated twice there? Do, do you know why there's seven things here and not six? Because he repeats lying twice. A lying tongue, a false witness who breathes out lies. When God tells us the things that he hates, the things that he abhors, he emphasizes to us very strongly that he hates lying, deceit, failing to speak the truth. Proverbs 12 and verse 22, we read, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. It's not that that lying, that deceitfulness, um, that half-truths are, are just something that God kind of really doesn't prefer. You know, he, he'd really like it if, if, we, if we would speak the truth. It says he abhors it. It is an abomination to him. Brethren, if God is serious about speaking the truth, um, then we need to be serious about it too. If it evokes hatred and disgust in the heart of God, uh, we, we need to be committed to making sure that the words that are coming out of our mouth are not bringing disgust to the heart of God, but honoring him. And ultimately, truth is what go- is going to genuinely benefit those who hear us. Um, if, if we think that lying to somebody uh, is, is, is really going to benefit them more. Maybe it's, it's going to make them feel better. Maybe it's going to make them respond to us better, like us more. Um, in the moment, it may seem like that's better, but that is never the truth. Um, truth is only, uh, alone is going to genuinely benefit those who hear us, is going to bring them a, a fountain of life, a tree of life, is going to help them eternally uh, rather than just in the moment. And so our speech cannot genuinely bring healing 
It can't be that tree of life or fountain of life without truth. Proverbs 27 and verse 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Would you rather have wounds or kisses? In the moment, you know, the, the kisses sound a lot better, right? And yet... There are times where saying something that may hurt in the moment is precisely what is needed to bring healing and growth in the long run. You know, a doctor who genuinely cares for his patients um, may at times need to take a scalpel and cut open their chest cavity to help save their life. That's going to do a lot of damage. That's, That's quite a violent act in some ways, right? It's going to hurt a lot. Um, and that's not something that anybody wants to happen, but if that's what is needed, then love is not going to refuse to operate. You know, somebody's not going to come in in need of triple bypass. And instead of, you know, I really don't want to, to, to wound them. And so I'm just going to give them a kiss and send them on their way. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't work, right? That's not going to help them. And so we need to make sure if we want to genuinely help people, it may mean that we need to have the courage and conviction to say some things that are going to hurt, that aren't going to be enjoyable, aren't going to be enjoyable for us to speak, aren't going to be enjoyable for them to hear. But if that is what is genuinely needed to bring life, to bring healing, to help them grow, then we need to say it. Uh, When we are seeking to give grace to those who hear us, to speak life, We need to remember that nothing of value is ever said without speaking the truth. And so, yes, season our speech with grace, but don't forget the substance. We need both grace and truth. Um, And I think this should be a primary focus of our prayers. Uh, As we're praying for guidance, as we're praying for wisdom, as we're getting ready to have a conversation with somebody that may be a difficult conversation for one reason or another, uh, working through some difficult decision, working through some some conflict, some misunderstanding, we need to be praying, God, help me speak with grace. And God, help me speak the truth. Um, Those are the the two primary pillars of the words that come out of our mouth. Um, The two primary things that the word was full of when he brought God's communication to us. But what else do we see from Proverbs about our communication? I think after we have sought with God's wisdom and guidance to speak with grace and truth, we need to give others time to process what has been said. Proverbs 28 and verse 23 says, Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Do you notice the word afterward there? Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. The value of rebuke is not always going to be immediately seen and accepted or experienced. Sometimes it's going to take time for the truth to do its work in our hearts And we need uh, to be understanding as the truth does its work in others' hearts around us. You know, when the surgeon has to do something really difficult, when he has to cause some wound in order to bring healing, uh, he doesn't get done with that surgery and, and 
seal him up and pat him on the back and send him on his way, right? No, the, the, it's going to take some time for that, that, that work that has been done to fully bring about healing, right? And, and if we're honest with ourselves, if we're humble uh, as we look at ourselves, we recognize that many times when somebody brings something to our attention that we need to change, that we need to work on, that's not something that, that we just snap our fingers and it's done. Right? That may be very difficult for us. It may be difficult for us to hear. It's not natural for us to want to accept that. Um, it, it may take some time for that to fully sink in. We need to give that same grace, that same understanding to others as they may struggle to accept rebuke or correction, as they may struggle to apply it. Because uh, it's not easy and it's not natural for our flesh. Uh, and so showing grace, speaking with grace doesn't end with the period of my sentence. <laughs> you know, well, I spoke with grace and so now get it together. You, you, you need to make some application in this. No, I need to continue to show grace. Um, that grace needs to continue in how I handle their response. It's easy to think that if someone doesn't respond immediately to correction, uh, I just need to tell them again and again until they do. Um, but that's not always how it works. Uh, Proverbs 25 and verse 15. Proverbs 25 and verse 15 says, With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. With patience and gentleness. Right? We, we may think a real strong and bold answer, you know, that's what's going to break the bone. <laughs> uh, but it's patience. Uh, and gentleness that is ultimately going to persuade. Uh, we need not only to take time to think and pray ourselves, we need to give others time to think and pray as they process what has been said. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 14 in the New Testament. First Thessalonians 5 and in verse 14 we read, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Do you see there, he says some different things that some different people are going to need to hear. Um, admonish the idle. Some people need ab admonition. Uh, encourage the faint-hearted. Some need encouragement. Help the weak. Some need us to come alongside them and lift them up. But then he says, be patient with them all. Patience isn't just something that some of them need. <laughs> Everybody that he just talked about needs patience. We need to give people time. Um, and the more that I recognize my need for patience and forbearance of others around me, the more that I need to be ready and eager to give patience to others as they may struggle um, to make application of these things. And fifthly, or, or tenthly, uh, we need to be eager to forgive. We shouldn't see reconciliation. If there's some misunderstanding, some conflict, we shouldn't see mending that relationship simply as a responsibility. We need to see it as a great blessing, as a joyful privilege. Proverbs 17 and verse 9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Proverbs 19 and verse 11, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is a glory to overlook 
an offense. You see in both those passages it talks about how covering an offense is what we're going to do if we're seeking love. How um, it's a glory to overlook an offense. Are, are we eager to cover an offense? To overlook an offense? Or might we have trained ourselves to kind of hold on to our hurts? Uh, we, we really don't want to let this offense go. We really don't want to put it in the past. We don't want to cover it. We don't want to forget about it. We want to stew over it. You know, it's very easy to feed and cultivate our offenses. Sometimes when, when somebody has hurt us deeply, um, we can get to a point where every time we see that person's face or every time we hear their name mentioned, our thoughts immediately go to the wrong that they have done against us. And the more times that we run over that, that wrong, that, that conversation, whatever it was that they hurt us in our minds, the more uh, we may speak about it, the more we share it with others, um, we can create a monster inside us that's very difficult to kill. Um, because at that point, even if steps are taken towards reconciliation, we, we've been feeding this offense, feeding this, this animosity for so long that it's going to be very hard for us to effectively mend that relationship. It's going to be hard for us to look at that person in the same way again because we've been picking at that scab enough times that it's going to leave a scar. And so what, what causes that kind of rift in relationships is, is not simply what the person did or what the person said, how they hurt me. What causes the rift in relationships is oftentimes how I responded to it and how over time I have allowed that to eat away at me. What, what we're told here in the passages that we looked in Proverbs is we need to do the exact opposite with offenses. We need to be eager to cover them, eager to overlook them, eager to put them behind us. Every time we see that person's face, instead of stewing over what they've done against us, every time we hear their name, we need to remind ourselves of the love of God. We need to, in that moment, think about how can I mend this relationship? How can I fix that? How can I show them love, even where they've shown me hurt? And our standard of forgiveness is ultimately Jesus himself. Luke 23 and verse 34. Jesus, as he is hanging on a cross with nails in his hands and his feet, as he has been beaten and bloodied, as he is being spit upon and mocked, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, if you were in that situation, what, what, what do you think might be going through your mind? Um, you know, many times when somebody has wronged us, we think, well, well, I don't have to forgive them if they don't repent, right? <laughs> you know, I, only if they come to me and ask to be forgiven do I need to forgive them. And, and boy, do I hope they don't come to me. <laughs> is, is that my attitude? Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, was not thinking about how many people had wronged him, how many people had betrayed him and forsaken him and rejected and mocked him. He was thinking about the condition of their souls and pursuing their forgiveness to his very dying breath. 
Is that our heart? Is that our attitude? Is that we, the way that we pursue reconciliation with our brethren? Or do we do the exact opposite? Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's our standard. Is the love of Christ. And so there, there may be people here today, th- think through the relationships that you have. Maybe, maybe there's some relationship in your life, some relationship in the past uh, that every, if, if you think about that person's name, you think about that person's face, you think about your interactions with them in the past, you immediately clinch up and, and, and have some, some bent up animosity against them. If that's the case, won't you allow the love of Jesus to transform the way that you handle that relationship? Won't you think about it differently? Won't you stop stewing over what has been done against you and focus instead on pursuing reconciliation as Jesus has? Thank the Lord that Jesus did not allow what we have done against him to create the kind of rift in our relationship with him that, that we uh, cultivate in our relationships with other people. Now, Jesus wanted to do everything possible to mend that rift. Let that be our heart. Let that be our attitude. What about you today? Do these things describe the way that you communicate? your relationships with other people. Um, If anyone here today feels like there's no change that they need to make, then you probably haven't been listening. (laughs) But this is something we all need to work on. This is something that I need to work on. Um, This is something that is so difficult to do. If if somebody's able to bridle their tongue, they're able to bridle the whole body, right? James 3 says. We need to work on this. We need to be praying about it. We need God's help in it. Um, If you will, pray with me together. Heavenly Father, we come before you recognizing um, our own weakness and foolishness, um, how we so many times have fallen short in reflecting your love, reflecting your grace and truth and the words that we speak. So many times we speak out of the emotions and the thoughts that fill our own hearts um, instead of genuinely loving others and letting that direct our speech um, as, as you, Lord, communicate to us. Help us, Lord, to speak with grace, with genuine care and thoughtfulness for the needs and well-being of those around us. Help us to speak truth guided by by you, by your word. And Lord, help us to cultivate the kind of relationships with one another, especially with those who have wronged us, who don't deserve um, your love. Lord, we all all don't deserve your love. Um, But Lord, uh, help us, especially when we feel like we've been wronged, um, to pursue reconciliation the way that you have pursued it with us. We need your strength in that. Um, That's not what our flesh wants to do. Uh, But help us, Lord, uh, with the strength of your spirit to bear the fruit of your character and the words that we say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
If there's any way that you recognize some change needs to be made in your life, won't you make it now? Um, and if that change is of a public nature, if you need to ask for the forgiveness of, of brethren here, uh, we want to offer you that opportunity. If, if you need to ask for the help, for the prayers of the brethren here, um, that's, that's why we come together, is to support and encourage each other. We want to offer you an opportunity to do that in a public way, if you feel like that's what's most appropriate. Um, if you need to go to people individually, people that, that you've wronged, that you have some misunderstanding with, uh, people that you need support and encouragement from, do, do that. Uh, God has offered us, uh, first and foremost, his grace uh, and the help of our brethren to be who he wants us to be. So if you need to make some change today, won't you make it? Uh, if we can help you in that, won't you make it known by coming to the front as we stand and sing together?